At Simple Mobile, you get the no contract advantage. Those other mobile companies make you think you're in control, but you're really not. Simple Mobile is different. You can get a powerful nationwide 5G network all without a contract. It's the reliability you need when you need it, with no mystery fees, no activation fees, and no contract ever. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. 5G-capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 5G upload speeds not yet available. Hi, this is Daniel Rue of the Real GM Radio Podcast, and I'm taking the Phoenix Suns over the LA Clippers in their Game 6 on Wednesday, if necessary. BetOnline has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit BetOnline.net today. And now, (laughs) this is truly the moment we've all been waiting for. It's time! Introducing Fighting out of Brownsville, New York, USA, presenting the heavyweight undisputed champion of the world, Iron Mike Boxing with Mike Tyson. I'm your boy Zab Judah, and I'm here with Mike Tyson. And we have a special guest today. I mean, a guest that's so special, man, Bruce Buffer. Bruce, talk to the people. Oh, Mike, thank you. Talk you know, just an introduction by you being uh, special, and it's really special for me, brother. No, listen, um, you have such a um, such an interesting life. You know, meeting your brother Michael. Yeah. And your guys happen to be doing the same stuff. And your claim too, you know, you guys are both on top of your game. And how does that feel? You know, it's amazing because um, back in the '80s, you know, when you were lighting up the ring and cover of Sports Illustrated, I'm following you like there's no tomorrow, and all the other great boxers of the era, because that was the, one of the greatest eras in boxing. That was really amazing. No, no, no. Uh, it was really magical. That's the magical. Era. Magical. Every week we saw the best fight, the best, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a huge boxing fan. Um, my dad was teaching me boxing as a kid, right out of the womb. We're watching boxing on Saturdays, you know, why world of sports. And it was boxing every week, boxing, boxing, boxing. Out comes this man, very handsome, debonair, James Bond looking, dressed to the nines, brought a whole new flair to the world of announcing. And I became a huge fan. But I had an issue because every time he came out and they flashed his name on the screen, it said Michael Buffer. I used to own telemarketing companies in my 20s, right? And this was before the internet. And like we all did back then, when you're in another town, you look in the phone book, you see if there's a Tyson, you see if there's a buffer or whatever. I never saw my last name in a phone book in any city in the United States. And here's this man, you know, Michael Buffer. And I'm like, wow, what's going on? I started getting this weird feeling in my stomach. So I'm calling Don King's offices, Bob Arum. I'm trying to get a little more information on the man. And um, about six months pass, and people are coming up to me. He's getting more popular and say, hey, is that your brother, Michael Buffer, the guy that goes, let's get ready to rumble? And I'm like, no, my brother's Brian, who I grew up with my whole life. So long story cut short, my dad and I are taking a road trip up to San Francisco one day. And I'm like, dad, I'm telling the same thing I'm telling you. People are coming up to me. It's almost daily now because boxing is the water cooler conversation on a Monday after the weekend fights. And I said, dad, do you have any idea who this is? And I got this, Mike. I think that's your brother. Right? <laughs> Your father, uh, the hell of a dude. Uh, what? Uh, I'm like 29 stomach. years old. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he said, well, son, I never told you. I, and he never told me. He was married briefly um, when he was around 20. Uh, it was during World War II. Uh, he was called overseas to do his part in the war. He came back. Um, a child was born. A divorce ensued. And um, the last time he saw the child, I think, was when he was two and a half years old. And, you know, it's one of those stories that happens, right? And so, lo and behold, uh, Michael was raised by foster parents. I know he explained that to you when he was on his, yeah. your podcast before, um, under the name of Huber. And when he went in the Army at around 20 during the Vietnam era, uh, they said, your birth certificate says you're Michael Buffer. You're not Michael Huber, right? And he had great, great parents that raised him. And he, they stabbed him. It's like, you're Michael Buffer. And had that not happened, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation right now. Wow. So that's one of those forks in the road that happens in life. So he was doing an event out here at a small venue uh, that the Goosens used to put their fights on in the valley that's no longer around. And 
I, my brother Brian and I were watching the fights with him that night, and we said, Dad, why don't you call, leave a message, see if he'll call you back. So my dad did, Michael called back, they got together for lunch, turned out to be his, his son, mm. right? Now I'm like, I, again, I might not have this age exactly correct, but I'm like 29, Michael's in the area of 43, you know, there's a 13 year difference, and uh, with that being said, we got together for dinner as a family after they had that lunch, they got along very, very well. And in walks, I'll never forget this night, in walks Michael, looking as amazing as he always looks. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. And like, okay, I'm a fan, but now this is my blood. This is my half-brother wow. walking in. I, I can't even begin to tell you what that felt like. And we got along great. We all got along great. And from then on, with the companies I owned, I had two companies, you know, successful, making the money, beach house, living the life, the whole bit. But I was traveling, and I would go to Vegas. I would go to New York. I would, I would stop in to see the fights. Michael and I would have dinner. We'd go out together. 1992, Evander Holyfield Riddick Bow One at the Thomas and Mac sold out. So I'm in the audience and I'm watching everybody going crazy when Michael's doing Let's Get Ready to Rumble. I mean, you got Nicholson jumping up and Hulk Hogan going nuts and everybody's just going nuts, right? And this light bulb went off in my head because I've been a marketer and a brander, you know, a businessman before I'm an announcer my whole life, owning a number of different companies. I went back to my room that night instead of going out and partying and playing blackjack and all the stuff we love to do when we're in Vegas. And I sat down, and I couldn't stop, Mike. I just kept writing, like, three pages of notes, like, trademark this five words properly, you know, protect it, uh, keep the boxing ring as his base, like the HBO boxing ring especially, branch him out, put him in every form of sports and entertainment there is, movies ready to rumble, TV shows, thinking video games, toys, you know, thinking all the stuff that can be done. And I just couldn't stop. It's like I'm just sitting there, and I'm just going like this. So I contacted Michael. Again, long story cut short, I basically, in so many words, said, Michael, I, I want to make you richer and more famous than you ever dreamed, hopefully myself in the process. I'm willing to sell my two companies. I'm burned out. I'm not passionate about what I do anymore because I live my life on passion. Everything I do, I do with passion, right? And I had this passionate moment thinking what I could do with him as his partner. And I said, Let's, the best thing to do here is I want to become your manager, right? And I also want to become your partner. Because not only do we want to help you get in every form of sports and entertainment, take these five words, put it on the tip of everybody's tongue, make it part of American culture. Mm -hmm. I called it the uh, clarion call to the pure integrity of the competitive spirit. That was my term for let's get ready to rumble. Like, doo, 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 doo. you know, every time you hear it, it's like, we got to go out and do our thing, right? And Michael, in so many words, said, well, how are you going to do it? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> but if I'm going to give all this up, you better believe I'm going to make this happen. Lo and behold, uh, became his manager, became partners, started working it due to his brilliant ability to perform and do everything he does so well. I mean, let's face it, he's legendary, the greatest announcer of all time, 100%. right? There's no question. And I say that with complete respect and love for my brother. And um, it just went on and it caught on and everything started catching. And the first product I have, I would go to trade shows, you know, around the country and I would make, I go to Kinko's and make these promo kits. They cost me $15 a kit back then because, you know, everything was different back then. And I'd stock up on them, and I'd walk the floors, and I'd shake hands and take names, and I'd see products that would be great with Let's Get Ready to Rumble on it, and I'd pitch the people on it. And I was just an animal. I'd go to the boxing events, and I'm shaking hands and taking names and making appearance deals for him any way I can, and things that come across Michael's desk he's handing me to take care of for him. And it just started building, and within a year, our first product was a talking keychain. Right? It was a boxing glove. When you press the button, of course, let's get ready. A rumble came out of it, right? And there was also a mug, you know, that had like a football on it, you know, for football. And you watch football and you press the button and drink and it said, let's get ready to rumble. That was our first two products. Mm -hmm. And then it just started taking off. And our big hit was the ready to rumble boxing video game. Mm -hmm. If you ever played video games, it came out on the yeah, Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah. And when we came out with the ready to rumble boxing video game, in the first 24 hours, along with nine other games that were released with the Dreamcast system, mm -hmm. Uh, combined, it did like $97.1 million in sales in 24 hours, right? Which has been surpassed since then by Call yeah. of Duty and all that. But it was either Variety or it's Hollywood Reporter. phenomenal. Yeah, it was it's phenomenal. Yours. Yeah, it's phenomenal and it's yours. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we're just, you know, it's like we're, we're making entertainment and sports history here as we go along. And it just started feeding my fire, you know, and I just kept going. And I sold the two companies. I quit with the money I had in the bank because sometimes you just got to go for it, right? Which you know better than anybody and you know better than anybody. It's taking what I call the puncher's chance. So we went for it, and it's just all worked out beautifully. Mm. Michael and I, we get along great. Teamwork. Um, it's, it's teamwork. It's total wow. teamwork. He does what he does. I'm the man behind the man behind the rumble. 
You know, you, yeah, the sheriff yeah. of the Rumble, the man behind the Rumble. But Michael's the talent. It's Michael's. He did it. He created it. And it's just a beautiful story. Something that we both the take great pride in. The, the yeah. business and the brains. Pardon me? Say, say, say the business and the brains. Take a business and a brand. Yeah. You know, it's just I saw it. I realized where it could go. And I just wanted to put everything I could into it mm -hmm. to do what I told him I was going to do, which make him richer and more famous than he ever dreamed. Wow. And I wanted to announce boxing back then. I said, I'd love to be an announcer. And we discussed it. It's a confliction of interest, right? That, that, I did announce some boxing. I, I announced undercards with Michael you're back doing, in Vienna. Yes, finally, you are right now. Yeah, UFC. <laughs> fine, yes, fine. Yeah. Yes, fine. Well, when the UFC came along, Mike, in 93, I've been in martial arts since I was 12, mm -hmm. right? I've got three black belts in various styles. I've studied different styles. I boxed a lot. I Which styles are you? Which styles? Taxudo, I'm a second degree black belt. I have a black belt in another hybrid style called Jiu-Jitsu Do. But I don't pretend to be a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. It's the French savant um, uh, person that created the Jiu-Jitsu Do that had it. He would bring me in and I would teach his black belts in Jiu-Jitsu. I would teach him striking. Right, because mm -hmm. ground fighters don't always adapt well to striking. Mm -hmm. Where I think strikers can adapt better to ground fighting when mm -hmm. you teach them. I just something I've observed. So I would work with his black belts, spar with them, you know, give them striking techniques and all to back up their jits. And like eight months into it, he presented me with a black belt. So mm -hmm. I got an honorary black belt, but nice. I don't consider myself a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I'll go with all the. You know what? I like that because I think I got something similar to that. You know, my father's a ninth degree black belt. Shotokan. Father, oh, Shotokan. Yeah, Listen, yeah. his father. He's just interesting. He really, <laughs> him and yeah. his crew back there really did this stuff. Yeah, really my father. How interesting he is. He had to come from somewhere. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Pops took it to a, a, a you know a high level. And I was looking at. It, I said, you know, you was in. What is it called? Thai Tong Sudo. Tong Sudo. It's Korean. It's actually Chuck Norris's original Korean yeah. art mm. that he started studying in the Air Force. And I grew up in Philadelphia, um, and I moved to Malibu when I was 15. My dad ran Fortune 500 companies, and uh, we eventually moved out to Malibu. And when I went out to Malibu, I met Chuck Norris's fighting partners, Bobby Burbich and Pat Johnson, and uh, a couple of his black belts who were my best friends in high school. And all we did was we surfed, we trained, and we fought. You know? Wow. Surfed every day, trained more. Who got the best of who? Pardon me? Who got the best of who? We both had our fair hey, shares. Right. Everybody, it's, it's, you know what it's like, Zach. Yeah, 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 yeah. right? Well, people don't know, Boosie introduced um, martial arts to the hood. Mm. When he in the, in the 60s, he was in the hood, teaching people in the hood kung fu. They didn't want him to, but he was teaching everybody kung fu, especially the people, black people in the hood. Yeah, Bruce Lee was out here teaching a lot of people. And I, when I moved to Malibu, one of my best friends was Steve McQueen's son, Chad McQueen. Yeah, Steve McQueen trained with Bruce, too. Steve McQueen trained with Bruce. And Steve McQueen and I were really good friends the last six years of his life. And Bruce would come to his house. This was before I met him. And then Chuck would come to his house. And they'd train, or he would go to Chuck's dojo. And Steve would get in there and mix it up. You know, he was, he was a bit of a badass himself mm. when he had to be. And I remember there's this plaque on his wall, which his son still has, that I would just love to have because I'm a big collector of sports and movie memorabilia. And it's the signed certificate that Bruce Lee gave Steve McQueen of his graduation from Jeet Kune Do. And it's mm. a beautiful certificate, signed by Bruce, signed by Steve. You can imagine what that's worth, mm. right? Big. Love to have that piece. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when I was a kid, if, if it wasn't for Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, maybe I wouldn't got as deep into martial arts as I did back then. I mean, you know, no. Yeah. No. Same thing. Same thing. That's what my dad thing. said. My dad was a Bruce Lee fanatic. He total. Was, yeah. Total. Absolutely. I think everybody was just walking around, tossing around your head, listen, and just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I remember we were little kids. We'd be in the movie theater, right? And next time we see guy in the front seat, he had some nice jewelry on. Next thing they go, ooh, we walk by, ooh, <laughs> kick him right in the head and snatch him and watch his jewelry ripped his pocket out. How many times have you seen Enter the Dragon? Yeah. Oh, so many times. So many Chuck times. Norris seen Bolo. Bolo. <laughs> yeah. Just a picture of Bolo. He looks great. He's like 80-some yes, years old. Looks, he looks wow. fantastic. He, does he? Wow. Yeah. wow. You know, when I watched Enter the Dragon, of course, one of the first things I did was I had to get a pair of nunchucks, and I can't tell you how many bumps on the head I gave myself training to those things. Oh, you always give myself boo. Oh, <laughs> oh Exactly. Wow. Trying to be Bruce in that famous scene. You know, and then, and then, you know, back in those days, the martial arts movies that came out, I mean, you know what real fighting's like, you know what real fighting's like, and, and it was depicted, I think the UFC really made it clear what real martial arts street fighting, you know, can be like, mm -hmm. or is like, but, you know, it was 
back in the early days of Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme and you know I used to love all those movies right right yeah you know I'd be first in line to see those movies mm -hmm. totally. see Bruce Lee was the, see a lot of people don't really Bruce Lee was a martial artist but Bruce Lee was a street fighter street fighter yeah right. you know, he likes to fight for real mm. <laughs> he likes to do it for real mm. gotta respect that because you know with all respect to the martial arts but There's a lot of people walking around with black belts on, but they've never been faced down. Never been hit. They've right. never been hit. <laughs> Somebody was talking well, about but not right. in the street. It was a conversation. Right, I don't right, know right. if it was a judo expert, and he was talking to Bruce Lee, and he was talking to Bruce Lee something to the effect, what will you do in grappling? And he said, I equate grappling to being on the floor, and I expect being on the floor being stomped. Mm. And the guy said, what do you mean? He said, What do you mean being stomped? And he said, well, I'm fighting three or four guys. I'm not fighting one guy. And that just blew my mind. He talked about, no, I'm on the floor. I'm going to get stomped. And the other guy said, well, I'm grabbing you. How are you going to get stomped? He said, well, no, I'm not going to let you grab me because I'm fighting three or four guys. Right. And it blew that guy's mind. He thinks right. it was just going to be him and Bruce going at it. Yeah. He said, no, I'm fighting three or four guys. Right. Well, you know, another, like Bruce Lee is, um, let's face it, he's one of the original mixed martial artists, mm -hmm. right? Which was a term that wasn't even created till about six or seven years after the UFC was actually, or five years after the UFC came on the scene. Mixed martial arts was a term that came in later. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also another man, which I'm sure you're aware of, named Gene LaBelle, mm -hmm. who's one of the original mixed martial artists, one of the greatest grapplers ever, has been in a ton of movies. Um, there's just so much history. Joe Lewis, the guy named Joe Lewis used to be Joe Lewis, the kickboxer. And then the Superfoot Bill Wallace. Bill Wallace, Badass. Mm. I used to watch those guys when I was coming up. I used mm. to narrow myself after Bill Wallace. I mean, I just wanted my right leg to be... My right leg was pretty fast. He used to pop, pop, pop. It was pop, beautiful, yeah. right? Yeah. Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> yeah never let it fly. You never forget it, right? No, never forget it. Never forget it. it. All this month on Pluto TV, women take the lead in celebration of Women's History Month. Drop in for the best of female talent in film, TV, documentaries, comedy, and more. With big movies like Charlie's Angels, Last Holiday, and Pretty in Pink. Plus, shows like Inside Amy Schumer, Moesha, and Sister Sister. There's something for everyone. One thing that changed my life is when I figure all the training that I had and the altercations I've dealt with in my life as we've all gone through... In 1991, um, a friend of mine who directed John Milius, who wrote uh, and directed Conan the Barbarian, was involved in writing Apocalypse Now, uh, directed and was involved in Red Dawn, you know, the original Red Dawn film. Mm -hmm. He called me one day and he said, you know, I know you train a lot, but why don't you come train some jiu-jitsu with me? I said, I've trained some jiu-jitsu. He goes, well, you never trained Gracie jiu-jitsu, mm, right? The Gracies. So he took me to a place in Torrance, which was the original Gracie Torrance gym, right? Dojo. And we go in. And it, out comes this skinny young kid, right? He goes, hi, my name is Hoyce. How are you? And he goes, come with me. So he takes me to one of their rooms, all padded up, go in, closes the door. And he looks at me, he says, I understand you do a lot of kickboxing. Let's go at it. Come at me. Take my head off, right? And I said, you want me to put on some gloves? He goes, no, just come at me, right? So we're alone. So I go at him. You know, I'm game. Pop, pop. Gets underneath my punches, takes me down on the ground. You know he's waking up, shaking his hand. <laughs> 45 seconds later, he's got me in a side choke, and I'm going out, right? Man, he's man. like, tap, tap, tap. So I tap, and I never forget this. He gets up in the guard, he straightens out his gi, and he looks at me and says, see, isn't it nice not to get hit in the face, right? Wow, mm. that just changed a lot of theories. But, you know, I knew every street fight I, I was ever in, whether it was on the beach or on the street, it always went to the ground. At some point, yeah. it always winds up. Yeah. This is also interesting. I know where I come from. Street fights don't last long. No, no they don't last long. No, no. they last a couple. No. They don't listen. A minute for a street fight, a long street a minute? fight. Yeah, I think at twenty seconds, it's like help yeah. me, Mister. No, yeah. <laughs> a minute for a street fight. <laughs> If it's a minute, then two guys with skills. Yeah, yeah. they got, they got some, they yeah, got some listen, kind of skills to survive. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. got to be. They're so facing listen, off. In the I go ten, twelve rounds in the ring. You start in the street. You're like, They let me take a break. Yeah. Let's go. Jumping, grabbing. Yeah, exactly. That's you know, a lot, man. It's we've all lot. had our experiences. God knows you and you have had tons. Yeah. So, Tell me, what, what, what is, uh, I mean, you don't watch tons of UFC fighters. What is one of some of your ultimate favorites to watch? You know, it's, it's a very hard question for me to answer mm -hmm. at times because I've announced every UFC fight basically since uh, started in 96. A thousand events and thousands of fights. So I can give you an example of some, but George St. Pierre, 
Oh, you know, one of the greatest, one of the one of all around role models of the sport in and out of the octagon, a gentleman class, mm. and just a supreme athlete and fighter. You'd give George St. Pierre a basketball, and he'll be yeah. in the NBA in ten months. Well, you know, I like people. Some people say things, man. I love Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes, Matt I mean, Hughes. just a wrestler personified, a brute. Yeah. There's yeah. no question. Absolutely. Yeah. One of underrated. the toughest ones. Underrated. 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 Yeah. Ooh, he's a badass. He's a badass. And Quiet, you know, badass. What's my boy in Hawaii? BJ. 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 He's very flair. He brought a lot of flair to the um, UFC. Yeah, heart yeah. Like, like none other. Heart like none other. He was other. like Otoro Gotti. He was like the Otoro Gotti of boxing. Totally. BJ. You know, yeah. I, had the pleasure, I had the pleasure of knowing Arturo. I mean, God bless Arturo. Yeah. Um, but, you know, BJ was doing street fighting at like 13 and fighting 20-year-old men bigger than him. I mean, we're talking not just the sport. We're talking like Kimbo Slice, you know, who was doing his backyard fights. I mean, BJ was game to do whatever it took. Mm-hmm. And he had yeah. that reputation. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. a god in Hawaii. A god, then, yeah. He's my boy, man. You get back to like Chuck Liddell, right? Randy Couture. The mm. wars that Randy mm. Couture had. That was just really authentic. You're stumped. we doing this. Who's going to last? Yeah. Yeah. The beauty of the UFC is that when it started in 93, you know, and, it was and, a and Vitor Belfort. Ooh, he came on the scene. He came on the scene at uh, like 240 pounds, you know, all jacked up. Dead. Fast as lightning. Oh, yeah. Fast as lightning. Fast as lightning. Mm. His first fight, I, guess, I think I did, was in Brazil in 97 or 98 against Vondelay Silva. Oh, he won one round. Silva, Silva. Yeah. It was like 20 seconds. He just came at him and just took him across the octagon, and he was and he's a monster. Yeah, Vondelay had the Vondelay's long legs. Yeah, 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 total yeah. monster. But you go back to those old days when we had very little rules. You know, guys fighting three times a night. Yeah, the headbutts, all that type of stuff. Me. It had to be changed for us to become a mainstream sport. And for family we, television, exactly. Mm. Well, we were mm. taken off TV. You know, back it was around um, ninety-eight or ninety-seven. We were taken off TV when when uh, Senator McCain again, bless Senator McCain. I'm, a big fan of his, but he came out and said we were human cockfighting and all that, and we were taken off the in-demand, which we Well, had. that's what it really was back then, because that's what they accepted in the East. Well, you know, in that, the early days, they used to build, like some, in so many words, like somebody's going to die, you know? Right. I don't think they really realized that when they started it, when Horian and, and Robert Meyer was back then, I think they were in it for like, you know, we're going to do three, four events. Maybe they didn't think it was going to go as far as it went. But with the whole thing changed thanks to people like Big John McCarthy and others that worked on the rules and started applying the rules. But when we started going under a little bit, where we were the fastest growing pay-per-view on TV, mm-hmm. and then when we were taken off in demand, losing a potential like 66 million potential pay-per-view buyers, and we were only on direct TV, and we went down to 16 million or so potential pay-per-view buyers, we were kept alive by the internet and by the incredible fans of the UFC. Mixed martial arts UFC fans are the greatest fans yeah, in the world. They're so sense. loyal, right? So we stayed strong, but the big change was when Dana White and the Pertita brothers bought the UFC in 1999. That was a big change, because we were down to maybe 1,500 people in an arena. I remember doing a show in Louisiana, and there was a man who passed away since then named Kevin Randall. I'm a great fighter. Great fighter, wrestler, great fighter. Yeah physique, everything, um, came out. From Ohio. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I get in my IFB in my ear, I'm about to announce the main event. They said, Buff, you got to tell him there's not going to be a main event. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. He goes, Kevin slipped on a pole in the back and knocked himself out, and there's going to be no main event. And I'm thinking, yeah. here come the cans and bottles. Of the <laughs> time, right? So that was like one of the lowest points. And then when Dana White and the Fertitas bought it, um, I went to dinner with them after a boxing event in Vegas where – Big John McCarthy and I were kept with the group, and we had dinner, and I could see the passion that Dana was talking with and Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta had for the sport. That was the turning point. Mm. That was the big turning point for the UFC. Mm. They had the money, they had the business acumen, and they took us to where we are today. Uh, Obviously, we've been bought out by WME, you know, the biggest media company in the world. The UFC sold for $4.2 billion, the highest price ever paid for a sports franchise in the United States ever. Dana White goes hard, man. Dana White, I, I like is, him. He go hard. The thing yeah. about Dana White, you know, I, I mean, he's my friend. I respect Dana. I've known him for many years. I love working for Dana. He's a maverick. You know, yeah. there's mavericks in business. He's a maverick. He's a beautiful person. Yeah. I don't know what that maverick shit. 
That's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, he's, he's a great, great guy. Great guy. He's a beautiful guy. But look, but look at him, Mike. He, he's, and Zab, he's gone through the sale, obviously made a tremendous amount of money for it. Most people would kind of like walk away. His passion's still strong. He's banging it out every day. Yeah. He's out there doing everything and still taking us on the path that we're on. Greatest thing in the world. There's no end to this. We've seen the beginning, but we're never going to see the end of it. Fighting. You know, I mean, I'll be gone before it's the yeah. end. Of it. <laughs> no doubt about it. But it's, it's, you know what it is? I've got a first-class seat on an amazing rocket ship that just keeps going uphill, and it's quite a ride, Mike. I've been at this, you know, 25 years. February 16th was my 25-year anniversary wow. in the Octagon. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, Mike. Big. Thank you very much. I appreciate big. that. Silver anniversary, but I'm not stopping. That's right. I've seen you in the audience going crazy at UFC fights. Yes. I've seen you having a blast at UFC oh, fights. I love you. And I I'll do. be back. I can't wait. You know, we're doing 15,000 people in Jacksonville, Florida in April. Oh. Uh, it'll probably sell out. And um, Which date is that? April what? April uh, 27th, I think it is. Mm. If I'm not mistaken. 20, yeah, 27th. Um, so that's going to be great. The fans are just going to start coming back to the show. Look at my right. baby. She's in the tennis place. She's in the gym working out. Oh, look at that. That's a good exercise. She's only 12. Right wow. 12 years old throwing Muay Thai knees. Yeah. She's a serious worker. Yeah. You're a proud father, aren't you? Oh, man, so proud. Yeah. But I just don't want them to be like me. It's put their whole life in this. I want them to save a little for themselves. You'll show her. You'll teach her. And, uh, I'm sure you're doing a great job, Mike. Zab, you have kids? Yes. Yeah, how many? Yeah, I have uh, four girls and four boys and a set of twins. Oh, yeah, really? twins. Wow. serious. Yeah. I I've got never... five-year-old boys. I always kid. I've never been married. I've almost been divorced twice. I always say that. But mm. I, I've helped raise two boys. Uh, my partner, Kristen. Um, I'm godfather to one since you know since they were born. It's been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. awesome. Your children are beautiful. Yeah, they change you. They change you. They make yeah. you get on the right foot. No matter no matter what you're doing, you're gonna hop on the right foot dealing with kids. They make you keep your guard up. That's for sure. A hundred percent. Tell me about your family life. My family life. I was very lucky to have incredible parents and to be raised um, in, I was born in Oklahoma for like nine months. We went to Dallas, then to Philadelphia. I spent most of my life in Philadelphia before the age of 15, which mm. I consider my hometown. I learned to fight in Philly, learned to fight a little more in Dallas. Tough town, tough town. <laughs> Philly. Philly's a tough town. Tough town, got a broad out in Philly. Exactly. <laughs> and then I moved out, to, we moved out to Malibu, as I mentioned earlier, and um, I saw surfing once in France when I was 11 years old on a trip with my parents. Always wanted to do that. Hold on, sport. hold on. What was that like going from Philly to Malibu? Culture that had to be shock. culture shock. It's got to be. Culture shock. <laughs> hey, dude. Culture shock. Yeah, hey, hey dude. <laughs> you know, back east, I would spend my Yo, summers. bro. <laughs> I Listen, I lived the Point Break life. You remember the movie Point Break? Yeah. Point I didn't yeah. rob banks, but right. I did everything else you did in that movie. Yeah. I knew a lot of those Bodie types, the Patrick Swayze types. Right. Knights, Tough guys. Stuff. It was a great the tough, the tough guy I know you, Surfers I know you, fight all the time. I know yeah, you I'm got sure. there. What did you think about surfers when you first got there from Philly? You like surfers? What the? No, I, I, you know, I saw how tough they were. And how sometimes the they die. Mm. That boy goes down and come up, boy. It comes up so fast it break your neck. What's that? Man. What's that, Mike? Like sometimes the boy goes in the water and comes up so quick. Shoots up. Oh, yeah. It shoots a boom, man, to my breaking breaking mm-hmm. jaw. There's a famous surfer comes that up I knew. so quick. There's mm-hmm. a famous surfer I knew named Jerry Lopez years and years and years ago, the classic uh, king of pipeline, the, the famous break in Hawaii. And he knows that break better than anybody. He was surfing. He took a bad fall. The surfer went up his anus, right? And pierced him. Had to, you know, had to get the bag, the whole bit. I mean, surfing is, oh, wow. it's a tough sport. Yeah, you know, you got to be a shaker, too. That is dangerous. Yeah. Knock you out cold. You break your jaw. You boom, knock you out cold. Oh, yeah. Mm. I cracked a rib with my surfboard yes. the whole bit. But getting back to uh, Malibu, it's like, you know, I get there. I'm used to Atlantic City. Yeah. Which, you know, all great. Dirty, though. You can't <laughs> it's, not, it's not Malibu. You'll get your disease. You'll get your disease. Your foot starts turning a couple oh, yeah. of purple. <laughs> But as a 15-year-old kid, I'm at the beach, and there's all these blonde girls running out of the water. I'm like, this is not like Atlantic City. This is really great. I'm I'm in Nirvana right now. And they're friendly. They're friendly, friendly, yeah. Yeah. That blew me away. (laughs) They're not friendly back east. Let's not say that. No, (laughs) no, not not like this. Not like this. It's night and day. I'm an East Coast guy, too, but no way. I'll leave that one up to you, Zach. Yeah. (laughs) I know in New York, you have to say, excuse me, what is your name? I'll say, hey, I'm Chan. Yeah, they tell you (laughs) ASAP. Like, it's so cool, yeah. I go to school, USC. 
Yeah. Well, I got into the surfing and of course doing school and um, I had to go to Santa Monica to go to school and I would surf every day. And then as Steve McQueen, when he li- where he lived, they had the best surfing spot in Malibu during three months. Steve of McQueen had some cool cars. Huh? Oh my gosh. The car, mm-hmm. his garage, it would knock and, you out. Uh, yeah, so cool his son Chad still has a bunch of his cars. He's known to have cool cars. Total motorhead. You know, just love What you call it? I bought one of his cars. Um, oh, the Mustang? I believe it was the Entertainer. The Elton, not Elton John. He used to be right, he used to live right next door to me. Oh, Wayne, Wayne Newton. Newton, yeah. Oh, Wayne Newton, he had one of his cars? Yes, he had, Eddie had Marvin Gaye's cars. He had tons of cars mm-hmm. over there. Wow. People called the bought for souvenirs. Yeah, right. he had an airplane in the crib. Yeah, right? he had an airplane on his property. He had an airplane on the property in the house. Listen, yeah. he had all the property. Um, where did the, he had all the property, like five hundred? He had so much property. I, I, he, um, I lived on his property. It was just so much. He was just a maverick he, of the plane investment. was a prop. It wasn't like he didn't use it. He just stayed there. Just, just stayed there for him, like a statue, a real plane. Yeah. Just, Oh, like oh, that's, well, actually, that reminds me. Like um, Steve, in the last like five years of his life, he was had a fear of heights. So his way to overcome it was he started flying planes. Mm. But he would fly the double wing open cockpit planes, right? Mm. And I remember we were surfing one day in front of his house, and he came down. And he did a whole loop to loop in the air above us, but with no top. Yeah, no top. You know, open cockpit. Uh, I think one was called a pit cairn, which was a nail side plane. Man. But he had a big hangar up in Santa Paula, which was about a half hour north where we lived in Malibu. And I would go up to visit him, and he had all his big collector. He had all his toys. He had tons of cars there, and he had his two planes there. And he just loved his, you know, the lifestyle of just flying and being on his ranch with all his animals and his wife Barbara at the time, and just a really dangerous. Have him for the great plane ride as well. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't go up in those planes with him. No, I didn't do that stuff. No, little, little, little crazy. I get a little fear of heights myself. I'll take yeah. off in a big way, but I got a little fear of heights of myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of that. I don't. <laughs> but Mal- Malibu was a great style. I got into the whole uh, Baywatch routine, you know, the lifeguarding, and you know, I just, I, I, you meet I was great, like Frankie Avalon. You meet great people. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you meet great people as well. Yeah, yeah great people. Yeah. But it's a tough culture, and surfers fight a lot. Very territorial. Yeah. Yeah. Very territorial. Wow. But can they fight? There were some tough guys. Yeah? And there's ones that couldn't fight, but they just wanted to fight, and they got the snot kicked out of them by the right guy. It's kind of tough to have a fight in the water with a surfer. You get knocked out. You in the water. You're going to drown. Like, that's a double... Well, you went out your way to your land. in the water, or, or words get exchanged, but you know that when you get out on that beach, things are going to happen. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Getting grounded yeah. pounded on the sand is a little different than the octagon. <laughs> That sound don't that sound that saying don't give. <laughs> and a lot of surfers at the time were very much like myself, very much into martial arts. So you know, mm-hmm. it's what it is. We all it have is what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that a water bag? Oh man, I love this bag. Hey Bruce, I beat the hell out of this aqua bag, man. It's going right through it and it doesn't hurt my hand. These that's why I love these bags. I love these bags too because. Um, Again, the whole water fill thing. I love the effect. I feel like I'm hitting somebody for real. You have a broken hand to hit this bag. It's perfect. And for me, with my shoulders, it's the perfect bag for me to work on. I agree 100%. Yeah. I'm going to keep one in all my gym. I'm going to put one in my house. My kids are going to hit it. Mm. This is going to be my life now, the aqua bag. It's the greatest bag for everybody, aqua bag. Water is beautiful. Better than leather. That's right. There you go. Water is better than leather. What did Bruce Lee say? Be like water. Be like, Be like water. water. Form, baby. So, Mike, one of the things on my list that I've wanted to do for a long time, um, and I finally met the perfect partners for it, and I know you don't drink, right? But I came out with my own spirit, and mm-hmm. I'm a big bourbon fan. Mm-hmm. But I created this with you in mind because of the title, and it's called Puncher's Chance. Oh, Puncher's wow. Chance Bourbon. And we just came out with this last year. It's selling faster than we can make it. It's a big hit. We got a 95% taste rating from the board, one of the highest uh, taste ratings. I have friends that do drink. You do? Yes. Well, then this is for you, Mike. So this was made for you. In in essence, again, the spirit we had is puncher's chance, Mm -hmm. puncher's chance. I've been an underdog my entire life and everything I've done, even Mm -hmm. when I sold the companies and took over Michael. And everybody was telling me, like, Really? You're going to do that? I said, yeah, I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So, puncher's chance, right? One punch can change the whole life. 100%. Check it out. 100%. Mike. 
One the punch. admonitions we write on the back and the whole bit. One punch. One punch. Zab, I didn't know you were going to be here. I, I brought one hat. Oh, dope. Hats so, are so good. Yeah. Do you wear hats, Mike? Not really. No, you wear hats, Zab? Yeah, I wear hats, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Punches, chance, everybody. Punches, chance. You'll leave that here. That's for you, Mike. I'm really proud about that. So that's it. So there you go. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so this is going to, you know, in bars, this is going to be cool, right? Like, give me a shot of Punches Chance and you're next. That's it. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't want to cause any problems now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want any liabilities. <laughs> no, but that's a good thing. That's going to be, that's going to be kind of cool. I come to the print, I got a Punches Chance. That's right. There you I got go. a Punches Chance. Go. Shot of this and I'm good. I can't say enough about it, you know, working on different things. And, uh, like, it, it's fun. It's like a, uh, the video games I made and the toys I made with Michael and, uh, we have other products coming out. I've got uh, my own cologne and toiletry line coming out mm. and an energy product line. So you know how it is, Mike. You know, you got your IP. You got your brands. Ab, you understand, too. You know, it's you a lot of work. Yeah. It is it's a lot of work. It's not as easy as people think it is. No, it's not. You got to sell the company. Yeah. You got to build it up to sell it. Mm. You got to build it up and you got to make it work. You got to watch over it. These are problems that I'm I'm looking forward to right now. Good. They're good problems to have. Yeah, I'm building my company. Great problems, but you're going to have challenges. Great problems, challenges. Cool, hey, cool challenges. Life is all about challenges. Yes. Hey, listen, guys, coming from Brownsville and Philly, I think that we are uh, <laughs> we we happy to have these kind of challenges. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> no joke. No joke. Similarities in life, but all of our all of our. That's what Milton Berle told me that. God bless his soul. In 1990, I guess I lost my fight to Buster. I said, what, what I said? I said something like, oh, man, I really failed. He said, no, you didn't fail. You just made $30 million. You failed when you got to go back to Brownville. You can't get back. That's, right. That's when you right. fail. I said, That's whoa. Right. That's One right. thing I always remember about you, Mike, is that cover you had on Sports Illustrated, you know, when that first story I read yeah. about you. I'll never forget that. I thought, this is the baddest mofo I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You know, I just glued to every one of your fights. Thank and you I had the pleasure much. of watching you fight live, too. You know, mm -hmm. and on more than one occasion, it's Thank just you. memories that those days of boxing. I don't think they've been equated. So were you were you one of those that Mike trained to get your popcorn and drinks and stuff and sit down before the bell rings? Back in the day, if you was to go to, they come in on the main event, come in no. the third round, second round. That's not me. Are you? Oh, so you was there when the I'm bell rung? Ding. First fight. That's dope. Yeah, I'm there That's for dope. the. I'm there to watch a night of fights. Okay. I mean, you're either a boxing fan or you're not. That's one thing in Vegas. It's funny, you know, when the big fights happen, like you said, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the co-main or the main comes around, right, suddenly right. it's all full. Right. It's, it's like, wait full. a minute, you just missed. And then also you get a quick knockout. Then you know you're you back in the room with your fans and talking crap. You hanging up with you back smoking. Yeah. It's <laughs> like in the UFC too. You know, Dana gives uh, usually a fifty thousand dollar bonus to the fight of the night or the performance of the night. I can't tell you how many times it's been like the very first prelim at four in the afternoon, mm. right? Going to go to a night. Of, I go to a night of fights. I'm going to a night of fights. Everyone, huh? So the Everyone. fight of the night might go to somebody that fought one o'clock in the afternoon. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're there to prove themselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think the minimum in the UFC more than any other MMA organization is at a minimum, you get 10,000 to show and 10,000 if you win. Well, if you get a $50,000 bonus on top of that, you guys remember when you were young fighters fighting for whatever you fought? Listen, no, no. I remember when um, I was fighting for like, I think, 100, what was it, 100 grand my first fight. And um, they were saying that he's too young to fight a main event because he's only 18 and he can't fight a main event. And I, was, I wasn't mad. Only I was mad at the person that I wasn't going to get the money. Right. The 20000 mm. I wanted that money so bad. <laughs> was it 20000 or 100000 20, 20, No, it was 100000 It was 100000 It was $100,000. I wanted that so bad. I never had $100,000, you know, of legitimate money in my hands. So right. I said, like, oh, my God, please, can I still keep the cash? And because of your age. So they, they made it go down to not the main event for like eight rounds. And then um, I still got the 100000 mm. I was just so... Parent, oh, please let me get the money, please, please. Yeah, yeah. How'd that feel when you finally got that? Did you, did you hold the cash in your hands or just put it in an account? No, it was just in an account, but I just knew that I could buy some goodies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I buy some goodies. It's amazing because 100000 back then. So that was like a million dollars. That's probably why. Oh, yeah. It was like a million dollars. Or like a half a million. It was Easy. big yeah. money. You got a hundred grand. It's a lot more. Let's put it that way. It's a yeah, lot more. You got a hundred grand. You was rolling. You know, that was. But you yeah. go to the UFC. I see you. When yeah. You oh, I love the UFC. And you get there early. You watch yeah, the I beat it watching all the fights. No, but I was saying that because 
Mike Tyson trained fighters, I mean fans, on how to watch fights. That was that um, quick knockout. Quick knockout. Yeah. So you wasn't there early, you missed it. You'd be at the popcorn stand like, what? It's over. People walking out. You're like, what? Yep. I missed it. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be over. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like watching George Foreman, you know, when he won the heavyweight championship back and he was getting you know, beat up the whole time. Right? Me or Michael, Michael Moore. Moore. Michael Moore. Yeah. My parents were at that boop, fight boop. and One they two. never leave a fight early and for some reason they had left. And when they got to their limo outside, they're hearing, he so won, he yeah. won. It's like, oh, they'll never leave another fight again ever. Yeah, you know? yeah. George got a big heart, big heart. I love watching big George Farmers yeah. come back all those years. Yes, as a person, come back as a man. Oh, incredible, incredible. Yeah. Definitely. Is there any uh, UFC fights that you looking in, looking forward to or interested in? John tonight? Jones. John, Yeah, John Jones coming back as heavyweight. Oh, you're going to have a good fight with that That's guy beat. Um, gentleman from Ohio, he's tough. Guy oh, Stipe? Stipe tough. Well, you got, you got Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou fighting, not this weekend, but next weekend on the 24th. He beat Francis before. He beat Francis before, but in the octagon as well as the squared, squared ring, you never know. Anybody can win on any game. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in heavyweights, as you know better than anybody, Mike, one, one punch, punch can one change kick. your life. The right. puncher's chance. That's the way Francis punched. Yeah. But yeah. Stipe has proven himself probably to be the greatest heavyweight UFC fighter ever. He was mm. great you know, with his record. Mm. Francis is a beast. I can't wait to announce that fight. And then John Jones, as I understand it from Dana, what I've read in the press, because um, I'm as privy to the news as you are when I read it, uh, is that he gets the winner of that fight. Oh, John Jones one of my favorites. He's, Man, he's one of my favorites too. Yeah. How do you feel watching him fight? Because DC Cormier mentioned about his knockout power at heavyweight, which mm-hmm. could be questioned coming up from light heavyweight. We just watched Israel Adesanya, who's an incredible fighter, go from middleweight to light heavyweight mm-hmm. against Jan Blachowicz just the other week. Fought the five rounds, got through it, uh, but is the power there to knock out the light heavies? Knowing John Jones, how do you feel his power is going to be facing down Ghana or Stipe? Listen, now we, you're talking about specialists. He's not much of a striker. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a specialist. Right. He's more, matter of fact, he's more like a kung fu fighter. Mm-hmm. Mixed martial arts, yeah. Yeah, because he flies through the air and he does <laughs> elbow moves. Right. And um, he's very sophisticated in fighting as well when he's got his mind right. Like his last fight, he was just surviving that guy. But when his mind is right and he's not fooling around, he, he's capable of beating anybody. I'm not, the, I'm not from the book that a, big, a good big man can beat a good small man. Too much time, so many times in history, and so many different other sports. We saw the, the great little man was supreme to the great big man. Think mm-hmm. about Billy Kahn. Absolutely, Billy Kahn? yeah, all yeah. the way back then. Yeah. Yeah. John Jones is one of the greatest of all times. A master of disaster at what he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he throws those oblique kicks, you know those oblique mm-hmm. kicks he's throwing in the shin. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mike. Mm-hmm. The shin, you know, over here. I mean, you guys ever been? But, he, but he's no, gonna be kicking no, a big man like on that. the chin. Kicking a big man, doing all that, the calf kicks, the whole bit. I mean, John's probably. He's gonna, gonna be moving. He's gonna be moving. He's, he's gonna moving. Be moving. You know what I like about John? He creates his opening. Yeah. yeah. He comes in and just swing and, and if, right. if it lands and he see you do something, that's it. He go crazy. And his ability <laughs> to create distance, which yeah. you know is so important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But those two guys are gonna disrespect the distance and just come right at him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine, too. I mean, I, I'm not saying anything other than that. I think he's going to do a great job. I think and then it's going to come down to may the best man win that night. I'm with him. I'm with I think him. until I see him be, get beaten, I believe he could beat anybody. It seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But look at these young uh, fighters coming up. We have so many. And the, and the female fighters. Mm. Chinese mean, woman. There's two Chinese for a girl and a guy that's kicking everybody's ass in their way. Mm. There's two now? Two eight Chinese fighters, a girl and a gentleman, that's kicking everybody back. Uh, Wally Zhang. Yeah, what's the chick name? Yeah, she's gonna fight. That's her name, Wally Zhang, yeah, and she's, she's gonna fight. Bad uh, Ooh, uh-huh. That's gonna be a fight. Ooh. That's gonna be a fight, most definitely. And you know, there's there's so many good fighters. I mean, the- Rosie just let me hug her. <laughs> Rosie's so beautiful. Nice. And we got Masvidal coming in. Is gonna fight Usman. Oh, that's a big good fight. That's a big deal fight. What about Khabib? What could Khabib fit in? You know, the thing Khabib Khabib, just working out, getting yeah. to stay in shape. But I think for Khabib, I believe we'll see him back in the octagon, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, the trilogy against um, Conor McGregor or whatever. But Khabib needs to be lifted. I mean, you 
know better than anybody an opponent that lifts you that for your training. Pushing, yeah, push you to the pushes next you level. to that next level. I think Khabib, because he's made a lot of money for himself, you know, and he's, I'm sure he's comfortable, but I don't think it's about the money as much as him as for the challenge and having a, a, an opponent in front of him that's going to say, I want to do the six to eight weeks of training. I want to get my could fight him in his way, uh, way higher. Well, you know, there's Dustin Poirier's out there. I mean, Dustin Poirier is an example of a fighter who's always been an, an awesome fighter, but he, with a long career of fighting, has become better than ever in the last two years, as proven with the way he took out Connor in his last fight, you know, with the calf kicks. I mean, his, his fight plan for that fight was just perfect. He's a thinking man's fighter. Um, he'd be a grand opponent, but Habib's got to sit back and watch and see what happens. Are they going to make, uh, you know, the, the Poirier fight that just happened? Are they going to make it again? You know, is there going to be a trilogy there? Mm. The beauty of the UFC is, and the matchmakers and Dana and all they put together is, they provide us with so much entertainment. You know, it's it's like every show I think I've seen like a, the greatest fight. When I think I've seen the greatest fight, mm, right? Another one happens. Two weeks later, yeah. two months later, I'm looking at the greatest fight. I'm looking yeah. at the greatest show of the whole so lineup. And people might say, oh, there's nobody on this card, whatever. You know, I love when people say that. Yeah. Because yeah. then all the fights are awesome. You shock them, yep. Yeah, yep. you shock them. They're so awesome. Yeah. They're coming out, they're proving themselves left and right. Mm -hmm. Every night I walk in the octagon for 25 years, my passion for what I do, I treat that like my very first night. Mm. I have to prove to myself, to Dana, the fans, the powers that be, and especially to the fighters, that I deserve this job. Mm. You know, And that keeps my passion flowing. I'm going to go out there Saturday night coming up, going to give it my all. Pay-per-view next week in Ghana, Stipe, going to give it my all. You'll never hear me talk about last week. Mm. I'm always looking to the future because we're only as good as we are today. That's, That's just my attitude. Well, I want to take you back right quick. Tell me about the elevator. <laughs> what happened to the fight in the elevator? Oh, yeah, man. Tell us about that. Well, what happened was, um, and Frank and I are friends, Frank Trigg, and I was on his podcast after that happened, and we both laid it out. You can look on the internet. We can hear it out of Frank's voice, my voice, whatever. But what basically what happened is we had a fight that night, a, a fight night of UFC fights, and we were at the Hard Rock Hotel, okay? So we're at the Hard Rock, it's after the fights, and I decide to go to Mike Goldberg's room, and there's Frank Trigg, and we all had a drink together, and we decide we're going to go out to dinner, I'm going to go out to a club later, have some fun. So we're on the 10th floor of the Hard Rock Hotel, we walk to the elevator, and when the elevator opens, there's Dana White, mm -hmm. and, Mike, and uh, his security guy, Tom. So we're walking in, the doors have not even closed, Frank immediately, who was saying to Dana, you know, when are you going to put me in another fight? And so many words. And they were just exchanging a few things. And I'm a watch freak, okay? And mm -hmm. Dana had this really cool watch on, this watch band. And so here's the elevator. We walk in. I'm at the door. Frank is over here. Dana's over here. And I turn to Dana. Dana, what a watch. Now, I'm, I'm sorry if I interrupted the brief moment they were having, mm -hmm. you know, him asking for a job or whatever the case might be, because I don't mean to, mean to do that. But when I did that, I got a ridge hand, he's over here, I'm facing here, and I get a ridge hand in my throat. And I turn around, and I'm like, Frank, you hit me, why the F did you hit me? And he said the wrong thing to me. He said, well, what are you gonna do about it? Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. So I just, I just reacted, I just went boom, boom, you know? And then it was on, mm. and now the mm. doors close, and, and uh, we're just throwing at each other for 10 floors, I mean, what is that, maybe? We get back to the minute long fight, what is that, maybe? So 20, wait, the elevator seconds. started moving? The elevator, Doors closed as that happened. Yeah. Now we're starting to go down the 10 floors. Yeah, some big guys, and then boom, boom, boom. It wasn't... I like small areas, Ab. So give me an elevator fight. No, I'm just kidding. So Dana's up against the wall like this, and security guy's here, and Goldberg's here, and, and all I was doing was going at it with Frank, and it's like we're going down, and, and then it's just bam, 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 and then he need me and one of my friends, and I felt that, and then I... I Shoulder turned him and pushed against the elevator, and he came back. And then I feel the doors opening behind me, right? Now, if you remember the Hard Rock Hotel, or you know the Hard Rock Hotel, mm -hmm. on that bottom floor, they have all the memorabilia encased in glass. Mm -hmm. The way yeah. we were going at it, we would have spilled out of the elevator and, God forbid, into the glass or something. And it, and it would have been a scene, a scene that I don't want to be part of, right? So I just threw my arms in the air. I said, we're done, we're done, we're done. And then it was over, and, you know, the adrenaline's flowing, and... We're laughing. Dana's so he just automatically stopped too? We he's... stopped. Yeah, we stopped. Right. Okay. And um, Dana's laughing. We're laughing. Adrenaline's flowing. And then I got blood up and down my shirt. And my 
I look at my thumb and I can see the bone in my thumb. Like, you know, skin's peeled back. It must have hit his belt buckle or his watch. Or, you know how mm. things happen. Yeah. So I'm bleeding. Dana's smiling. I'm smiling. Frank's smiling. We're, you know, hugging each other like bros. Like, okay, we had, we had a tete-a-tete. A friendly mm-hmm. tete-a-tete, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It happens. I'm used to that when I was younger. You have a tete-a-tete and you have a beer. Okay? So... I had to go to the, the uh, first aid station. I said, can you super glue it? They said, no, we can't. You got to go to the hospital, right? Mm. So I go, to the, I go to the emergency room. It's empty. I walk in. I'm sitting in the room waiting for the doctor to come in. I'm hearing my voice in the next room announcing the fights because they're watching the repeat. And the doctor walks in. He's like this, what the heck are you doing here, right? So I got like seven stitches, tetanus shot, $500, you know, whatever. Went out, had a good time afterwards. Hey, you know what, guys? It was a fun night. I announced the UFC. I had a fun tete-a-tete in an elevator in front of my boss. He knows he doesn't have a wimp announcing his fighters. Went out and had some fun. I felt like I was 28 years old. I'll do it tomorrow night. Let's do it. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was one of those things. And, and uh, Dana, what happened was I didn't tell anybody because I come from the school that those that talk don't do and those that do don't talk, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, tell my mom, tell my parents, tell a couple friends, whatever. Um, but then two days later, this fighter named Mikey Burnett, an old-style MMA Oklahoma fighter, comes up to me and goes, Hey, Buff, I hear you took it to Trig, right? Mm-hmm. I go, Mikey, I haven't, who told you? Goes, Dana's telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Dana can't hold water. Huh? Yeah. Can't hold it. He's like, ah. Yeah. So that was that. You know, there's so many stories. You guys have a ton of stories in the Naked City in your careers, and I could tell you so many stories. You yeah. know, brawls at after parties. I was in a street fight with Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz in London, the, the famous. Wait. No, no, no. It's a, it's the famous story. Um, it, it's kind of an urban legend type story, but it's always been told. Uh, where there was a guy named um, Lee Murray, who was an English, some people call him a gangster, whatever, but he fought in the UFC uh, just like Tommy Hearns. Just looked like Tommy Hearns, sinewed steel. You remember Tommy's body, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just could fight, long arms, you know. You really need to fracture distance with a guy like that. So I don't know what happened, but we were walking out, and uh, I was with um, Tito and Chuck. We were all inside having a good time, uh, partying. The Fertitas were there, the whole bit. But anyway, we walk out, and Pat Militich, somebody was on Pat's back and um, kind of like playing with him, choking him. But I guess somebody took it the wrong way. It was a friend of Tito's that was on his back doing that. Somebody took it the wrong way, came up, cold cocked him. He went down. Uh, taxi cab ran over his arm and all hell started to break loose. God, damn. <laughs> so everybody starts, the, the things are happening. Tito goes this way. Lee Murray goes that way. What I understand is they went at it and Lee Murray knocked Tito down. Um, but when you're in a street fight and you have a choice with, and Chuck Liddell is there, I don't care who else is there. You follow Chuck Liddell. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I followed Chuck Liddell and I, I took care of his back, made sure nobody got on his back. And it was like watching a movie. I mean, Chuck's just throwing punches and people are just dropping. He's like, bam, bam, hammer fist down, boom, boom, boom. Just walking through the crowd, right? It was just one of those nights, you know? Things happen. Wow. Yeah, they do. Wow. Yeah. We're hanging out with ultimate fighters. Yeah. But, Shit you know, happens. the martial arts code, the boxing code, blood and honor, right? Respect, as we're taught as martial artists. The UFC fighters that I've met, as well as the boxers, it's amazing when you realize how awesome professional fighters can be mm-hmm. as human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. It is the loneliest sport in the world. When that ref says go, when that octagon gate, mm-hmm. uh, gate closes. When it's you're in lonely the before ring, you even get in the ring. Just yeah. the, you the train with your the crew the whole time. Yeah, that no, fight starts. It's fight. you and him. Like when I announce. When I announce the fighters, I never take my eyes off them. And... I don't stand center. With all respect to other announcers, I have to move. I've got to... But that looks good. That's, that's more um, flamboyant. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll get in their space. You know, I'll get over. And, and guys like Chuck or Mirko Krokop is like, they just pop, get out of my space, you know? But it's like, there's a mutual respect there. And I want to take... When I'm announcing a fighter, God, I wish I could announce you guys in your prime. I would mm-hmm. love to have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to take you what I can, give you everything I have to take you to that next level. You're already enhanced to where you are. But I have to try and take you that that next level. Mm. And it's just such a, a moment because I'm looking into the eye of the tiger. I'm looking into your eyes. And I've seen fear in fighters' eyes. I won't mention the names. But mm. I've, I, that octagon gate is closed. And you can tell that that eight weeks of training is maybe they're forgetting it right there. Mm. You know, that fear factor, even though a professional, especially when they're at their very first fight in the octagon. Mm. When I've like 
whip to the side into the blue corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen a couple of fighters go. Whoop, but you it's start okay thinking in your head, like, are you really ready? Like, <laughs> oh, they're really, they're I, I can't say enough about the uh, UFC Octagon Warriors as well as the boxing warriors. Yeah. My respect factor is just through the roof. That's dope. That's dope. Totally. Would you ever do a podcast? I, I have my own podcast. You still do? Yeah. Uh, the It's Time podcast. It's Time. <clears throat> I've actually had it for uh, almost 13 years. I'd love, if anybody wants to tune in, just look up Bruce Buffer, It's Time podcast. I have actors, fighters. It's a lifestyles podcast. Yeah. You know, we talk collecting. We talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. Mike, love to have you on the show. And Zab, I would love to be on the show, show too. Yeah, Definitely. we're going to do that. But please, if I mean, if check it out, guys. I'm sure you'll you'll enjoy. If you're UFC fans, you'll really enjoy it. Okay. Thank I you love so UFC. much. I love UFC. Love you too, Mike. UFC. Well, yo, before we get ready to go, uh oh, we're going. Your biggest opportunity, your chance, and your words. Put it together. Introduce your perfect night of introducing Mike. Oh, oh shit! Let's oh, do it, baby. Okay. Let's hear it. <sighs> Holy shit! Brownsville? Brownsville, Brooklyn. And now, <laughs> this is truly the moment we've all been waiting for. Oh, it's time! Introducing, fighting out of Brownsville, New York, USA, presenting the heavyweight Undisputed champion of the world, Iron Mike oh, Tyson. <laughs> it don't get no better. This is what happened, you guys. All now it's a main event. Three pounds of water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, phenomenal, man. That was it. I feel like I could have done it better, but if you like oh, it, that, uh, no, that was super cool. Oh, wow, wow bucket list fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that next, man? Oh, man. Well, well we know who's going to introduce you, Mike. You fight again. There's only one person who needs to introduce you, and that's the great, legendary Michael Buffer. Oh, that's the man. He knows what to say. That's it. He knows what to say. You know, when Mike introduced you, that's it. He knows what to say. You made it. Yeah, yeah. He legitimizes the event. I mean, he makes it happen. Yeah, Yeah. listen, when back in the 80s, he was was like motherfucking uh, a model back in the 80s, man. Oh, yeah. 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 I just seen him walk in the boardwalk. He was just a cool dude. (laughs) 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 The boardwalk was a hair. You know, what I just did for Mike, um, I do for a lot of fans, is that I started a few years ago during Christmas. I put a special thing out to do an audio or videos where I introduce UFC fans like champions in the cage. Mm-hmm. And I was only going to do it for a couple of weeks, but we got so many orders, and I haven't changed the prices. It's not like I'm trying to sell it right now, but it, it makes my partner Kristen and I so happy because we get these thank you notes. Mm-hmm. And they bring tears to our eyes. You know, it's, yeah. I like paying it forward. I like doing things and making people happy. And, you know, I, I do this through my site at BruceBuffer.com, and I, I do cameos. You're doing, you're doing cameos, right? Yeah, you ever do that when people, you, um, people say, hey, announce my name? You ever do those? That's like, what they do. They'll yeah. write me in the office, uh, our office or through my website, and, and I'll announce their name. I, I, birthdays. Birthdays. Birth, yeah. birth of babies. Coming out now! <laughs> <laughs> Weddings. Walking down the aisle of love forever. You know, that kind of thing. You know, bar mitzvahs, people have even ripped me. I mean, announced Jesus Christ. You know, churches have had me, like, you know, do the Sunday announcement for the yeah. Are ceremony. you serious? Oh, yeah. yeah. That is yeah. crazy. One time, Michael even got a deal for Michael. He had to announce the devil and God, right? I didn't do that. Announcement. Michael did that. How, how did that work out? They worked out great. They loved it. They played it in the church, the whole congregation. Uh, Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer. And my brother. In this corner, the, the lily white Jesus Christ. I've had guys write me or, or cameo orders come in and they'll, and they'll say, I need you to do my eulogy. You're not even dead yet. Wow. They want to have like a pre-recorded thing for when God forbid that day comes. That's a little weird. Okay? Yeah, no, but weird. Listen, that's yeah. the ego. Yeah. You know, the biggest ego want to be at his funeral, see who came. <laughs> but you know what's fun? It's just, uh, I, I come from the school around me. I have a three-foot theory. I like everybody around me to be healthy, prosperous, and happy. I think about that before myself, and it all comes back. You know, mm. when I'm in business or with a friend, it's just an unselfish attitude. Just It works for me, guys. Mm. 
the way I like yeah. to, the way I like to roll. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> roll you shall. And roll right. I do as best mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. So we can do that when we have a bite to eat or something. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That's Hot Boxing here with your boy Zab Judah. Mike Tyson. And I'm so happy to be here. I'm Bruce Buffer. Audacious Bruce. Uh, yes, audacious. <laughs>